Hi everybody, Mike Wardrock from Encounter Church here, and thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. Our prayer is that through this podcast, you could have an encounter with Jesus that will change your life. And now get ready for an inspiring message from our teaching team. for the opportunity to be part of your gathering today. Love Ember, what a fun topic. (laughs) And I'm so excited that you're starting with a focus on singleness. I'm always encouraged to hear of churches that are intentionally including this topic in their communication. So well done, Encounter. If I had some gold stars, you'd definitely be getting at least one. So I'm here today because I'm the expert on singleness. I am so single. I wrote a book about it. I'm basically I'm basically a professional single, not something you hear about that often and definitely, most definitely not where I thought my life would lead, but here we are. It is the reality in which I live. I was previously married. We were married for eight years and it ended a few a few years ago now, um, the marriage was really unhealthy. In fact, it was quite destructive. Um, Divorce, though, is just never good. You cannot tear apart something that's been united together without a whole lot of pain and and a lot of brokenness. It doesn't matter how bad a marriage is, divorce is never good. It just goes against everything God wants for his kids, except I know what I was experiencing within the marriage was also not what he had on his heart for me. And so the marriage ended. And God did, and he continues to do a great work of healing and restoration in my life. But this is most certainly an unexpected version of my life that I'm living now. In Proverbs chapter four, verse seven, it says, the beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. Though it cost all you have, gain understanding. With my expert hat on today and the time we have together, I'm hopeful we'll gain some deeper understanding, that there would be affirmation and um, encouragement for singles amongst us, and also a sense of discovery and awareness for all of us as we consider singleness, as we get all loved up for Love Ember, what can we understand as a faith community? How can we grow together in love and awareness and embrace then of singles within our family? So let's lean into this topic today and invite God to illuminate what he would to each of our hearts and our minds. First Corinthians, Paul's letter includes a section on singleness and marriage. You might be familiar with it. And there's this one point that often stands out for us when we're considering a a biblical perspective on singleness. And it's from chapter seven, verse seven. It says, I wish that all of you were as I am. But each of you has your own gift from God. One has this gift and another has that. And it's from this passage that we in church land get the phrase you might have heard before, the gift of singleness, the gift of singleness. Now, for myself, I don't consider singleness to be a gift in the sense of, oh, for me, you shouldn't have. (laughs) And I'm not aware of many other single adults who who consider it a gift in that sense either. You know, if this is my gift, Maybe next time, just get me a voucher or a nice plant or something. Or could you at least just keep the receipt so I can return it and exchange it for something I actually want, right? But as we look at the language Paul uses and you unpack it a bit further, might just shift our perspective of that somewhat. Because the word gift here is exchangeable for the word grace. So when we talk about the gift we have from God, we're talking about the way God has graced us. 
his grace on our lives and, and how he graces us for this moment and this season. So today I am single. So that is how my gift or how God has graced me looks right now. I have the gift of singleness because that's the undeniable reality of my life. It is true about me. I just don't know what that means for my future. You know, the grace of God on our lives is never guaranteed in any expression. It's, it's up to him. He chooses how he gifts and graces us. And so at sometimes I think we, we default to believing it is guaranteed. You know, we're, we're gifted with a lovely home or a great family or a nice church or ministry opportunities, life experiences, relationships, but none of those things is forever. And everything is subject to change. We're graced by God in this moment and for this moment. And so however we might claim our gifting, it's not necessarily permanent. You are single until you're not and then you're likely to be single again because even the gift of marriage is not forever. Unless you're like uh, Noah and Ali from The Notebook, you know, and you die holding hands in your sleep together. But people have often asked me if I think I have the gift of singles uh, of singleness and I've often had singles ask me how they might work out if they have this gift. It's just our desire to see deeper into the future, I think, yeah, this gift of singleness God's grace in my life in this way is for today. We don't need and nor can we know the future of that. Instead, we're just called to live what we know to the best of our ability unless and until that status changes, in which case we live out that grace on our lives in its fullness from there. Which leads me to some home truths about what single is and isn't. And reading some more verses out of this passage in Corinthians uh, chapter 7, picking up at verse 32, Paul says, I would like you to be freed from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife, and his interests are divided. An unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world, how she can please her husband. I'm saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. So the truth about singleness. Sometimes we summarize this as Paul saying that singleness is better than being married. And I think that's a rash assessment of what he's trying to communicate. What singleness is, is an opportunity for a singleness of heart and focus on loving and serving God. Because as he says, when you're married, you have to be concerned with the needs and expectations of a spouse. Like that's just relationship maths. If you have a person with whom you're in an intimate covenant relationship, then they're going to need some of your attention, affection, time, and energy. So by definition, that means you're going to have to do some work to manage that and your relationship with God. Singles, when that intimate space in our hearts is not being drawn on by another human being, we get to fill that space with pursuing God and his ministry and, and desire for a relationship with us. What I also hear, though, is Paul warning married people, you're in a challenging situation. You're meant to be all about God, just as a single person is, but you've got this person who very easily take up the space and time and attention and affection that God desires from you. You're going to have to work hard to make sure that doesn't happen. 
to singles, you don't have to worry about that distraction. And so you could probably more readily carve out some time, energy and heart focus for the God who sees you and knows you and loves you. So what singleness is, is a unique opportunity for service, for ministry and for mission. I reflect on my own life these past years and I know without doubt that the nature and the, the breadth of my ministry engagement would have been dramatically different where I married. It's It just would have. And so not better, not worse, just different. And so I've been determined to maximize the time and opportunities afforded me because of that single status, to, to be a different kind of friend, a different kind of pastor, a different kind of auntie person in the lives of others, to work differently, to serve differently, to maximize the offering of the season I've been gifted at this time. So that's the truth about what singleness is. Let me tell you while we're here, three things that singleness is not. And that's firstly, single singleness is not a step to another life season. It is a legitimate life season on its own. The natural narrative of our lives, spoken or not, is that we're born single. No one tends to label us that way. You know, it's, oh, this is my daughter, Susie. She's five. She's single. Like, it doesn't tend to be a thing until we're in our maybe older teenage or young adult years. But it's true, right? We all start single. We grow up. We get married. We have kids. They grow up. They get married and have kids. And then we become grandparents and then we die kind of sudden, but that, that's basically the, the, the normal, the natural narrative, the expected, anticipated narrative. There are all these relational markers that we all move through and we're all partially, partially defined then by which category we fall into. And it's natural. I'm yet to meet a single, a single older adult person who isn't surprised to find themselves so. And they might not be unhappy to be single or to be childless, but I believe most people have just this default expectation or assumption that it's how their life's going to pan out. But what comes with how we navigate that pathway is this whole suite of assumptions and this language that speaks to singleness as just a stepping stone then in life, you know, to the ultimate next goal, which is marriage. I recall meeting a man once and he was just telling me about his family and he said, I've got three adult kids, two are married, one to go. A seemingly harmless statement and not at all an unhealthy desire for his family, but it's an unspoken assumption that all would be married soon, right? So if number three finds themselves single in five or ten years, have they somehow disappointed their parents? Is there something wrong? Singleness is a legitimate life stage, a legitimate season with, as we've already touched on, you know, many unique blessings and lots of opportunities contained. So let's not rush past it and invalidate what God might want for us and from us in that season. Second thing singleness is not, it's not on hold. You might have heard that sort of phrase or at least seen that uh, attitude play out. If we see singleness as just a stepping stone to the next stage, we run the risk of missing everything in this season and all that it might hold for us because we're looking ahead. We're all prone to do that, like in every stage of, of and situation of life. When I graduate, when I get my license, you know, when I have a full-time job, when I get my first home, when I get my bigger home, you know, when I'm the boss or when the kids are bigger, when I'm retired, we can do the when eyes and looking ahead all the time to the next season. And we can be so fixated on that next 
that we're not actually open to all that now <laughs> might offer to us. And so it's part of that, I have a bit of a bugbear with the word waiting. Singles are often drawn to statements like, I'm just waiting for the right person. Or at weddings, you might hear people say, this is what or who I've waited for my whole life. And that can be true and they can be lovely sentiments. But here's what comes to mind for me when I hear those expressions, a doctor's waiting room. Nothing good happens in a doctor's waiting room. Uh, it's daytime television, it's outdated magazines, often with matching outdated decor, and you're wondering if you're gonna go home with more germs than you arrived with, right? But more than anything, it's that sense of wasting time. Nothing productive happens in the waiting room. So when I hear the word waiting attached to marriage, it makes me fear for the, the mindset that might accompany that, where we are, stagnant and unproductive because we're waiting for life to truly start when we're married. Single adults you know, have no, been known to put off buying a house or advancing in their study or their careers or engaging in ministry or mission or any number of things because they're waiting to do that when they are married. Your season of singleness, however long it might last, is not a waiting season. It can and should be a season of growth, of productivity and preparation, and not just preparation for marriage, right? Although anything you do to grow yourself will benefit a potential future relationship because you'll be bringing your best self to it. But it's not just for that purpose. The preparation is because we want to be positioned, ready to respond to whatever God might call us to be part of, whatever he has in store for us. So side note, singles, whatever God is asking you to do right now, he means it because <laughs> he knows you're single. Yes. You know, if God is stirring something in your heart, it's in his, it's, you know, in consideration of all of the circumstances of your life, he's not surprised that you're single. He's like, no, dude, I was going to get him to start a new job this year and he's not even married yet, like, for real? You know, or, oh, I was planning to send her overseas um, on mission, but I just realised she doesn't have a husband. <laughs> That's not what God's doing. He knows, he sees, he has so much he wants for you and from you and through you in this season right now. So agree with him, get on board, get involved, respond. And the third thing singleness is not, is that it's not less. You are not less if you are not married. And it's so easy to see marriage as some type of holy grail, like the pinnacle of adulting success, that you must have done something right to have snagged yourself a spouse. <laughs> we even say to single people, oh, you deserve a great wife or a great husband, as if somehow that's your prize for being a good person. And if we're not thoughtful with our choice of words, we reinforce this, this idea, this often held belief for singles that there is something wrong with me. When speaking with people who are struggling with this question, it's a bit cheeky, but I often say, think of all the people who you know who are married. They're not all attractive, successful, smart, wise, emotionally intelligent, psychologically stable people. In fact, some of them are quite strange. This is not the time to look at your own partner right now. Eyes forward, okay, no nudging. Marriage is not, marriage is not a reward for being good or living well. Marriage is God's gift or his grace to some in their season and in his 
timing. Singles, don't, single, please hear this. Don't let the enemy fool you into thinking otherwise. And everyone else, don't be people who perpetuate the notion that marriage somehow signifies your worth or your capacity to adult. It does not. And we shouldn't continue that narrative. How are you still single is a classic and often unintentional way we do that. Like you look like you're normal enough to be married. Why aren't you? You know, is sort of the question we ask. Just a final thought for us to consider today on this topic of singleness. And that, that is around the, the need for intimacy. Here's something that is true of all humanity, including singles. We are all relational, sexual people who are wired for intimacy, all of us. It's in our createdness made in the image of God and, and it's built into our physiology and our biology as well as our soul and our spirit. We, we all desire to be fully known and to be fully loved. It's not just the purview of the married. So I just want to raise this topic briefly, but singles particularly, this is worthy of your full consideration because it's true for all, all of us that we're driven in different ways by this need for acceptance and belonging and value for this deep sense of connectedness and love and intimacy. And for married people, built into God's design for marriage is that you would experience and explore that need together and that you'd express it in healthy ways. It's not a given though, and that's partly why Paul addresses it in his letter to the Corinthians. But for singles, we've got the same need, but not the same means of meeting or expressing it. So what do we do with that? You know, how do we go about fulfilling our need for intimacy in healthy and appropriate ways? And that's a question each individual must actively engage it because hear this, either you manage your need for intimacy or it will manage you. So for me, I'm a, I'm a physical touch person. It's right up there in my top love language and something I've had to wrestle with as a single person. And not only in terms of relational connection and, and intimacy, but even just locating myself in space. There's, there is a, so much incidental contact that takes place in, in a family or in homes where there's multiple people living. You know, for solo people that can often be missing. Just the affirmation that you are here and you take up space, you have physicality. We need that acknowledged. So what are you doing to manage this need for intimacy so it's not managing you? I want to finish with a story that I love to tell, and it's about my friend Jemima. She'd be 14 now, but she was has always been a great hugger. When she was four, uh, she used to do it the full koala style, you know, where the arms go around, the legs go around, and you just get like locked in and you, you're being seriously hugged. Well, one day I'm in the middle of a, a great hug from her and I said, oh, Mimesy, I just love your hugs so much. And she kind of pulled back and just like any four-year-old do, she's like, why? And so I explained to her that when I was living by myself and I had no one to hug me at home, I can go days without a cuddle. And so when I saw her, it was like, and I'm like grappling for a way to describe it. I said, it's like my hug tank was getting a top up. All right, that was it. 
She had her mission and she chose to accept it. Her role was to keep Kimmy's hug tank full. <laughs> so after church, every Sunday, she would refuse to leave until she had hugged me. One time she, I was, you know, was busy around work and her family had to go and I was praying for somebody. So I had my eyes closed and you know, hands out just deep in prayer. And I feel these little arms come around my waist and she just leant in behind me and gave me a squeeze because she just was not leaving without hugging Kimmy. And when she knew we weren't going to see each other for a bit, she'd give me extra hugs. And then we worked out that we would need like an extra tank for like long holidays and maybe another tank if I was going somewhere that would be giving, you know, hugs away to people. And it got very, very com complicated. But what a gift, right? We are wired for intimacy. We need to manage it or it will manage us. So we've looked at three big ideas um, today, and of course there's plenty of more that we could unpack, but we looked at what, what is the gift? What is it to in, embrace the idea of the, the grace of God on our lives for whatever season we are in, maximizing that season? And what does it look like to recognize that, that singleness, there's something singleness is and there's something that singleness is not and identifying those lies and speaking against them as the single person, making sure that our internal thoughts are aligned with what God says about this. But as a, a community of people, making sure we're not reinforcing the lies of the enemy, that we're actually speaking truth and, and God's picture of the of personal you know, capacity and, and his desires for each of us that are not necessarily attached to our marital status. And then this big question, as I said, I've just kind of touched on it, but I think it, it really deserves greater attention. What does it look like to manage or to understand and deal with in healthy ways our need for intimacy? Considered ways to express and experience intimacy so it doesn't have a negative impact for us. We manage it so it doesn't manage us. How about I pray for us as we conclude our time today? Father God, what an incredible thing it is that you have made us uh, to, to experience and express relationship and intimacy and love. God, that ultimately you desire that we would be completely filled with uh, by your love that we will be completely aligned with your purpose and your vision and your picture of us that we would walk in the fullness of that that we would be ready to respond to every opportunity you have laid out in front of us in the season that we're in god that we wouldn't be held back by any um in incorrect perceptions or concerns about our inadequacy or even the desires that we have to be living something else lord that we would just be ready to respond to whatever you are you are leading us into god thanks for this community of people who are wanting to really dig deep into understanding what it looks like to to be a loved up group of people to be a an, a family that that deeply reflects um, your sense of, of embrace, of welcome, of inclusion. God, would you just stir for each one? How is it that we can respond how, to give us eyes to see the singles that are in our community? Give us just awareness of the language we choose and the, the things that we offer and the way that we engage there. And God, for the, the singles, you know that each one is in a in a really different uh, stage or, or you know understanding or embrace of, of what singleness looks like for them, Lord. That there's 
those of us who've been single again, there's people who are single um, by death or bereavement. God, there are people who've always been single. There are people who want to be single. There are people who don't want to be single. God, you know all that about us. Um, but would you just minister to each heart uh, in your own unique way today, God? Would you just speak your truth, your grace, and your love into each, that we would know uh, a sense of your guiding a sense of your comfort, a sense of your purpose in each of our lives. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. I pray that you were able to hear from God in a fresh way today. We would love to hear from our listeners. To connect with us or to financially support the work of Encounter, please jump on our website, encounteradelaide.com.au. And if you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to jump onto iTunes, Spotify, or your podcast provider and give us a rating and review. Or share this message on your social media accounts and tag us at Encounter Adelaide. God bless. Have an amazing week.